Hello, TBR fans. Welcome to this episode of Talking Route Rock. I'm Rob Edwards. Let's check in with Jerry Schmidt in Nashville and see what's going on there. Jerry. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Good to see you. Good. Hey, I caught the long players last night on Saturday night. They cover a classic album in rock and roll history. And last night they did Tattoo You by the Stones. And um, this is a... Um, a group full of veterans here in Nashville that have been added um, at least 25 or 30 years ever since I've been here since the early 90s. And uh, these guys put on a terrific performance and then came back after intermission and did a, a set of Rolling Stones material that was uh, non-tattoo U. So um, a very, very good performance last night. And uh, next up for those guys, the long players, is Tom Petty's Wildflowers. Um, I don't have a date for you right now, but um, I will announce it on our next interview. Um, also, we got uh, ZZ Top coming up the day before Thanksgiving on Wednesday night here at the Grand Old Opry House. Um, it'll be the first performance here in Nashville without the great bass player Dusty Hill. And the day after Thanksgiving, uh, marks the return of Symptom of the Universe, the Black Sabbath cover band that we're friends with, as well as the Van Halen cover band Eruption opening up for those guys. So uh, it should be a fun-filled Thanksgiving weekend as well, full of rock and roll. Excellent. That sounds amazing. Yeah, they're doing the uh, the Black Sabbath Van Halen kind of tour that the retour re that they did back in like 78 or something, right? That's correct. Yes. Awesome. I'm if it's um, exactly song for song, but um, the spirit is there anyways with these guys. So that sounds like some amazing events. Yeah. I hope you'll get us some footage from ZZ Top and some of the other stuff going on. That sounds great. Sounds good. What's uh, what's going on in Buffalo there this week? Oh, so this past Friday, I was treated to an extraordinary show uh, at the Showplace Theater in uh, Buffalo. We were lucky enough to catch uh, Gingwing Mountstein. He hasn't been around for a while. And I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised and a little bit blown away by this, uh, you know, guitar virtuoso extraordinaire, just, uh, you know, lighting up on stage. Uh, they had a little bit of issues actually getting into town. Uh, they had some issues with their bus. Um, so the, sh the show was delayed a little bit. Uh, but once they got in there and got everything rolling, you know, it was just uh, it was just nonstop, you know, and, and it was great. Uh, he looked great on stage. You know, it sounded amazing. Um, it was it was a about half capacity crowd, but everybody thoroughly enjoyed the show. It was uh, it was a great night there for sure. Well, he's one heck of a guitarist, that's for sure. He always has been. So yeah, yeah, just in a class by himself. The type of music he has, the sound he has, it's definitely Ingve. You know it when you hear it. You you can't you know you can't uh, debate that with anybody. But then, then Friday, or I'm sorry, Saturday, I got to catch the uh, second half of the um, act for uh, Grand Illusion, a local sticks tribute band that we have here, and, and they were great. And I got to speak to Rick Allen for a couple minutes after the show, and it was amazing. You know, just it was just a great weekend. So it was amazing. But um, we're supposed to have the Grand Illusion on sometime soon for an interview, correct? Yeah, we we actually talked to Rick Rick Allen a, a while back. We did we did chat with him at one point. Okay. But yeah, let's let's get to today's guest. Let's not delay any longer. So originally, oh, yep. So originally, these guys got together for a Neil Peart tribute in Buffalo, New York downtown, 
uh, to celebrate Neil Peart. And the show went over so well that decided, hey, what the heck, we're gonna we're gonna keep this thing going. So let's welcome to the show Analog Kids, Larry, Nat, and Joe. How's it going, fellas? Hi guys. We're good. Howdy. We're good. So excellent. So tell us, tell us how this came about. You know, there was a tribute uh, that was going on. They they asked you guys to play, or or how did that start? Wait, Larry. Well, so yeah, I got a, a phone call for one of the clubs downtown Mohawk Place to uh, do like it was going to be a six band event, and they're like, yeah, you know, everybody's going to come and play like five six tunes, you know, get a half hour on stage kind of thing. And uh, I'm like, all right, let me see if I could find a band to do this you know and, and put it together so being in call for the priest with nat he actually is a bass player you know not just singing for the judas priest band but uh he you know he plays bass and he's a huge rush fan so i called him and he was down and then uh, we got a, a guy by the name of tony mirabelli to join the band just for a one-off show and then it, it ended up being uh excuse me it ended up being you know three more gigs out of the deal we kept it going and then Tony wanted to concentrate more on his original project and then that found Joe now Joe's in the band and yeah we've just expanded this thing tenfold you know so it's it's going great man I mean to have a, a, a true three-piece rush project with somebody that can actually sing the notes and hit everything is is just huge you know yeah, that's that's no small feat trying to do uh, everything Getty Lee has to do. Nat, you're I definitely I caught the show at the Cove. You guys were crushing it. You know the vocals, the you know the bass, the pedals. You're, you're just you're just all over there with that man. That was that was impressive. Uh, you just got to turn your brain off. <laughs> I do everything. You turn your brain off. You you play it till it's mostly muscle memory and uh, certain songs we do that the only thing I'm thinking about the entire time is hitting the right pedals on the floor to play the keyboard and not worrying about where my hands go or what the words are. It just happens. I love it. One thing at a time. A lot of autopilot. Magic. Yep. Yep. And Joe, your sound was, 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 was great also, man. You know, did it take a lot of, a lot of time and research kind of getting into the, the groove for playing for Alex Lifeson. I mean, that's no small feat either. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, when Nat originally asked me, I kind of really had to take a moment to think about it because I kind of knew going into it, it was going to be a lot of work and a lot of commitment on my part to, to not only learn the parts, but, you know, to do the research because, you know, unlike these guys, these guys really got into Rush and they got into their songs. And for me, I was more like a pedestrian listener of Rush. Like, you know, yeah, I listened to them, but never really like you know, like analyze their, their music. And this was kind of fun to go into it with a different mindset and kind of really dissect some of what's going on and realizing that that is not at all the part I thought it was, or, you know, and, and so it, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. And, uh, you know, for me, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And it's, it's, it's been great. It's been a real eye opener and it's been a challenge and uh, playing with these guys is great because it makes it flow a lot better too. So because I play Rush with some other bands too. And, you know, there is a difference between the way other guys will play those parts and the way these guys do it. It's, you know, and they, they know it so well, they, they make it flow. So. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely not a, not an easy thing to do. Not an easy band to cover. You know, I've seen other folks try to cover their material and it's almost kind of like, if, if you really can't do it, you, you probably shouldn't do it. You know what I mean? 
it's it kind of gets like that and 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 larry when i when i saw you playing in you get your drum solo going you know doing yyz that sounded fantastic man the crowd was very very receptive i i saw it, it's been great i mean i'll be honest with you it's a drummer's what dream to, to get to play <laughs> i mean it's it, true i mean it's it's true then there's there's a thousand drummers out there that can do Neil justice. And there's a thousand bass players out there that have been influenced by Getty Lee, as far as his bass playing, you know, but they typically can't sing the stuff. And then you find that there's, you know, guitar players that are really good, but they're not really in a rush because it's always seemed like Alex always gets like a back seat because he's playing with such, you know, with Getty Lee and Neil Peart, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you don't realize how good Alex was until you try to see other people play the stuff. You Very know, underrated. And, yeah. yeah, and then Joe came into the band. We asked him to learn three tunes, and he came down with 12, and he was just nailing it. And it was just like, wow, man, okay, so so we got something here. But but as far as the the drumming thing of it, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky in the fact that these two guys are doing this with me versus, you know, 100 other guys around here that are probably qualified. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and, it's it's just it's just one of those things, man, where we get along really good. There's very good camaraderie with this with this lineup. And uh we're gonna keep this going, you know. He, he's right about that. Because I I've jammed rush with other drummers and with Larry, you don't have to talk about it. It just happens. Like we know the material well enough that it's telepathic in ways. We we rehearse certain parts of songs so much that the bass and drums match up so that we don't make mistakes in other sections. Like, do I go off here or now it's Larry's turn and I hold it together. And it's just, it's simple with him. I mentioned a call for the priest. We, a few rehearsals, a few years back, Larry and I just, I brought my new Getty Lee bass. I went, went to show it off and brought it to the rehearsal when the band was on a break, Larry and I jammed a few tunes and, scared the rest of the band and this is before that was even an idea for what was going on here this was just when neil passed larry said let's do this and that show where we were supposed to play a half an hour with six bands only two bands showed up and we were one oh, of the two wow. yeah the other four bands they 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 got scared but yeah you know like three years before all before neil died or anything yeah and that brings his, his base to that practice and he's like hey you're a drummer right you know any rush uh yeah, all right. And he's yeah. like, let's let's play Cygnus X one into book two and see how far we can get. I'm like, what, dude? and that's you know that's kind of like it was it was the, in the back burner for three years. We uh, one of the songs we jammed then is one in the list now, and one of the songs we jammed then is not in the list now because it's just too long. Remember, I said let's see how far we get with the Fountain of Land Meth. Yeah, and we yeah, finished it. Yeah, <laughs> and the, yeah. Wow. the rest of the guys are like, well, what are we doing now? They're not going to stop. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you got to take in consideration, and I know you do at your show since you're covering Rush. These people are, are, are Rush fans, and they're really looking for all little little sounds and little you know, idiosyncrasies and whatever that you guys can touch on. And 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 you are, and and you and you know they're watching for that stuff. You know what I mean? There, there's a song that we have written down to tackle in the future. And there is a section of the song where there's this one keyboard chord that happens once. And I programmed it for the pedal to have it happen during that one time when it's necessary. Cause some, some nerd's gonna notice and go, you forgot that. And I'll say, yeah, I know. So I didn't forget. Now, 
Now, Joe, I asked Joe because the band that he's currently in, Reset to Vinyl, they play four Rush songs. So I know he could do some of it and do it well and have the sound for it. And, and it's funny enough that when Larry and I were on for the uh, Call for the Priest interview where Larry was the first audition, Joe was the first audition. And we're done. That's right. it. That's oh, it. wow. He's the guy. Yeah. I've heard it's those stories guy. before. Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Around here. He, he came in and songs that he didn't know and played the solo. And I just closed my eyes and got lost thinking I was listening to the record. Yeah. It's yeah. that good. And he, he's put in the effort with trying to match the gear and he's playing the pedals as well. When I have keyboard solo, he'll do all that. So it's not just as easy as playing guitar. We push him out of his comfort zone to sing. And, uh, and do Taurus pedals too. Yeah, with the Taurus pedals. And, and he's, he's got an acoustic kind of stand and he ordered that Alex Lifeson signature guitar. So oh, great. look coming in soon. And nice, nice. He's the right guy for the project. Plus the, the thing that's really important with something like this is you have to get along. It can't feel like work. Yeah. You come in and okay, I'm going to work. And there's one of the guys that's in the band that you're not quite sure about if, if it gels or not. And Joe's back here throwing Larry's catchphrases at him. So <laughs> works out. Yeah, yeah. We we hear that mentioned all the time from from a lot of a lot of different bands. You know, you gotta be able to hang and have a good vibe with everybody and, and just, you know, have some things in common, you know, outside of what you're doing, maybe, you know, keeps yep. your unit tighter and you guys can can gel better and you get the same same mindset. So so question for you, Joe. So you you join these guys. And they're they're doing a, a total tribute. So this is a little bit of departure from what you're doing with reset the vinyl. You're you're totally devoted to just doing this this one guitar player, these this one sound. You know, how, how do you feel about that? Is it nice to have that change? Is it is it is it is it more restrictive for you? What what do you think about that? No, I don't feel it's restrictive at all. Um, you know, and because Rush has been around for so long, I mean Alex has, you know, that whole band has changed throughout the years. So, you know, you know, seeing the scene, we do everything that's from like the seventies on, you know, I have a chance to play more raw tones and I have a chance to do more, you know, the affected stuff, the more ethereal sounds and, you know, his solo style changed from the early years to, to, you know, to present day. So there's enough evolution there where there's a lot going on and you don't really get bored. I don't think it's bored and boring to do that or restrictive at all. It's, um, I think it's fascinating because I never really looked that deeply into Alex's playing, but you know, he's complimented that band so well. And I think that's the other thing about him that why he's underrated is because he just makes it look so easy. He's able to get himself in line with what's going on between Getty and Neil and not step on anybody. Even when they went full bore, full, full bore keyboards, he had to find a way to, to, to fit in and you know, change the sound, change his approach a little bit. So I think it's, I think it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun to even dig into more of what, more of their tunes and, and to add more of their songs to our set list. And, and yeah, I agree with you. He's definitely an underrated guitar player uh, for yeah. sure. I think the one thing that amazed me about Rush so much is that, you know, for one, you know, being a three piece with with the sound and the stuff they come up with has always amazed people. You know what I mean? And the other thing just nowadays with, with a lot of bands breaking up, it was so, so great to see these guys keep it together, you know, keep doing it as long as they could was great. Yep. Well, they were good friends too. They got along like you were talking about before with uh, the analog kids here, the, the chemistry. 
Yeah, yeah, they had great chemistry, and you know, he he kept his illness, you know, hidden for for quite a while. What was going on, you know, you know, maybe maybe he told them in private, but I I know he, I think we were all shocked when they came down. I know that shook the rock world pretty huge. You know, lo losing him, losing like one of the most esteemed drummers ever. You know. Yeah, they were amazing. They were amazing. First time I seen them was for Roll the Bones. And I was a little disappointed by the set list because they did more of the, the the late 80s stuff. But then I seen them for Counterparts. And, I mean, Counterparts in itself is just a great raw album. That's when things got away from the keyboards and they started playing heavy rock and roll again. And yeah. they did a, a ton of 70s stuff in that show. I mean, they pulled out Xanadu. They pulled out, you know, songs they hadn't played in years. You know, and it was awesome. So to be a sophomore in high school and you're getting to see that show, you're like, wow, man. And then, of course, Neil with the huge drum set all the way around him and just the explosions and everything like that. I mean, it, it leaves a big impression. There's no doubt about it. But that was cool, though, because over I seen him for the next four tours and you never knew what they were going to pull out. I mean, that's back before the Internet, right, where you can go on online and see what a band's playing and then you can decide whether you want to buy tickets or not well back in the day we didn't have that so like you go to a show and they, they start playing stuff that you're not expecting and you're like oh sweet you know it's yeah. Just adrenaline. <laughs> yeah you had to rely on like hit Prater magazine or circus magazine or something like that to see what was happening yeah. and all of a sudden they announce your town on the radio and you're like damn yep we gotta go with tickets <laughs> right right and you're waiting out outside of am and a's or whatever right right but like that that's kind of my goal with what we're doing with analog kids is, I mean, everybody wants the hits, you know, you're going to get Tom Sawyer, you're going to get stuff off of movie pictures, permanent waves, overture, you know, all that closer to heart, you know, all, all, all the stuff that people would expect from, you know, quote unquote radio hits. But at the same time, we want to incorporate all those cool B sides and stuff. And even like the early years stuff off of progressive steel and fly by night that rush stopped playing years ago. And, and I think our following is starting to happen now because people are realizing, hey, one, these guys can do all eras of Rush and they pull out a lot of deep cut stuff. And B, you're not getting the same show every time. Right. So yeah, it's yeah. almost like a Grateful Dead mentality, maybe. Not, not that we're jamming on the music. We're trying to recreate the songs. It's, it's strictly timed out sometimes. Yeah. Uh, how many measures do we go? Ah. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. we're, trying to, we're trying to recreate it the way Rush would recreate their own music, right? But, like, the Grateful Dead phrase comes into the, the mentality of when you come see this band, you're, you're not going to get the same show with the same set list every single time. That's, that's great, yeah. I think that's a big thing I've seen because I've seen a couple of bands multiple times. And, yeah, if you see the same set list, yeah, it kind of gets a little bit old. You want to see stuff mixed up, some newer stuff brought in. And like you were saying, you know, about the earlier stuff, I was a big fan, a lot of the earlier stuff up until like 81, 82 at first, until someone bought a Grace Under Pressure album over to my house one day. That would be you, Jerry. And, uh, oh, really? Okay. Remember when, when you brought that over to my house and, and we were listening to that all night when they came out on vinyl? Oh, I got everything they have. I, I liked it all. And you and you you have a very unique Rush collectible, Jerry. You want to tell us about that a little bit? You know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, I got it from one of the radio stations there. Maybe 97 Rock. It was um, one of their private prizes. It was a promotional album with six songs on it, and you would drop the needle on it, and it would play Spirit of Radio, for example, and then 
you would drop the needle on it again. It was uh, multi-grooved and it would give you a different song, like Tom Sawyer, maybe the second time around. The, the was, Russian roulette disc, right? Yep, Russian yeah. roulette, exactly. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. Very interesting. So you're familiar with it then, Nat? Mm-hmm. Or have you just heard about it? Do no, you have I've a copy of it? I've, I've never seen one in person, but I heard like good luck. And the pun is perfect. So I see why they would do that. Yeah, absolutely. I was amazed that the radio station was giving it away as a promo item. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, very unique, very unique thing. Russian roulette, definitely. Yeah, Jerry, you, you've you've been a vinyl collector for a while, so you got a lot of hardcore stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I've whittled down the collection over the years and just kind of kept the uh, the favorites. Um, I mean, once I started transitioning into CDs, I I got rid of a lot of the vinyl. Um, I probably shouldn't have, but uh, the stuff that I did do away with wasn't of any value. So, all right, yep. So let's go around real quick and let's see who 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 had their first Rush album experience. So let's start with you, Joe. What was, do you remember what your first Rush album was that you bought, or your first Rush song? Or he's got it right there. One of my big time favorites. Love yeah. moving pictures. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, they're all time bestseller. Yep. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. Yep. How about you guys? Nat, Nat, what is Nat, what was your first one? I think it was I had a copy of Moving Pictures on Disc, but I remember specifically my dad teaching me 2112 on bass. He taught me the overture and temples and he pointed out every fret on where I should go and said, Here you go. And it took me a, a while to get up to speed and do that. And I couldn't sing very well at all. He told me I had a backup singer's voice at the time. Because <laughs> it, you know, it was the soft falsetto. I didn't have the scream yet. How right. old were you? Right. 14? 14. Well, we know, your, we know your voice is, has grown by leaps and bounds from them. You know, how about you, Larry? What, what did you have? What was your first uh, album or song? Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah, I got the, the first Lego castle that came out. My grandparents got it for me for my birthday, and I was going to build it, and I wanted some background music. So I broke into my older brother's bedroom. He was out somewhere, and I went through his cassettes, and I just I, – I seen this Caress of Steel – thing with this weird wizard thing on the album cover i was like oh this is cool i popped in a tape deck and i listened it was just like the the perfect ambiance for building lego castles and playing with your guys as a seven-year-old kid and it's still till this day that's my favorite rush album yeah, yeah. It's a cool album. one more uh i was in the car with my mom and uh, there was a song on the radio and i said mom what is this and she said it's rush and i said i know it's rush from the bass sound what is the song and it was time stand still which doesn't sound like classic rush when it comes to the bass sound but i could tell because it was a little bit brighter and hmm this is good what is this I, I remember hearing the first album on on my dad was playing it on a tape and i said what is this what's the bass player's name and he said getty lee i went hmm, that's a weird name i should remember that and here we are <laughs> yeah yeah super unique I had what the. You? What about you, Robert? Oh, I'm gonna have to date myself quite a bit. So I had eight tracks originally. So I, so I had the moving pictures eight track, and then when I heard that, I had to get twenty one twelve. And after I got that, um, Exit Stage Left was coming out, and I wanted I wanted to have the live experience for them. And then I heard about you know the the album cover picture. Part of the album cover picture is is an audience there, and that's supposed to be an audience from the Buffalo Memorial Auditorium. 
That's from the odd, yep. Oh, yeah. yes, I remember that, yeah. They got so, all those filter things on the ceiling. Yeah, so that was my first couple My first couple albums from them. Obviously, you know, Moving Pictures was just amazing. Then 2112 was just like an epic saga yeah. story. You know what I mean? It was kind of mind-blowing. You know, either you really got it or you didn't. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, really, really good stuff. Well, for me, it was 2112. Um, I had an older sister, four years older than me. You, uh, you met her a few weeks ago, Robert. And um, she would bring the vinyl home and we would play it in that um, that basement there on Santon Drive that my dad fixed up. And um, that was my first taste of Rush when she brought that record home. So, um, yeah, um, still one of my favorites to this day. I still track it now and again. So excellent. Huge album. Yeah, yeah. So with the, with the current act that you guys have, what can you give us like a, a little insight of what you're thinking about adding or changing or you think about adding any visuals to the to the act or anything? Uh, visuals will take some time. We've tried some lighting stuff, but it hasn't necessarily been successful based on the, the venues at times. Um, song wise, uh, basically, when we add a song from a certain era, we have to add a song from another era to even it out vocally for me because we can't just fill this show full of 70s stuff because i'll be toast in 40 minutes so if we add something from say fly by night we're gonna have to add something from counterparts to make it evened out i get to play my other bass and sing in a normal register or at least more normal for for me and not have to just belt it the whole time um, some of them come down to what i'm able to reproduce on the keyboards right now because I dabbled in keyboards a little bit before this band, but I never played it seriously until we got together. So learning the songs and then attempting to play foot pedals all within two years and taking it out and still learning the instrument is, is that's the challenge for me of this show. And, and remembering the lyrics, because I don't like to use a prompter or a pad or something, because you're playing bass and you finish your words, you don't have time to scroll. <laughs> yeah, that's always been one of my one of my real favorite things about Rush. Just amazing, amazing lyrics really made you think about it. You had to go back there and reread that stuff and try to figure out, you know, what they're really trying to say. Um, so question for you, Joe, what, what is uh, something uh, favorite that you like to play during the show? Do you have a favorite song that you like to play or favorite part or anything? Um, there's, I mean, there's several songs I like. I mean, you know, I have some personal favorites. I mean, certainly like Limelight's one of them. Um, this, the, the end of Bravado, I get a chance to kind of go off and improvise a little bit. Uh, subdivisions, I play in another band, but I don't play the, the Taurus pedals, but in, in this thing, I get a chance to do that. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that are new to me. So um, I like a lot of it. I mean, there's, Animate's a good tune. I like that one. It's a, that's a favorite of mine. It's a good one. And uh, Show Don't Tell. Probably my top two. Nice choices. Yeah. yeah. Some deeper cuts there. Yeah. Um, yep. Are you guys the only Rush band, cover band in uh, Rush Church band in Western New York? Yeah. Or do you have any others? No, we're, we're pretty much well in. I mean, there's plenty of bands that do Rush. But they're they're just miscellaneous cover bands. They play a broad spectrum of, of music, you know. Right, and they right. just happen to do a few tunes, kind of like Joe's other band, Reset the Vinyl. There's a couple other bands around here that do the same thing, but there's nobody that's 
coming out and saying that they're a tribute and typically there's nobody that's playing this stuff <clears throat> excuse me as a three piece so what's the winter schedule look like for you guys do you take downtime during the holidays or are you going to continue to still play during uh, the winter months we we have a couple shows in a few weeks we have basically like a, a private gig people wanted us to do and we have a show at the Rock and Buffalo Saloon, and I think then then we're off till February to add up some new songs and yeah. and switch the set around a bit. I mean, uh, like he was saying, we want to change it a lot, and if we're going to have to go back to some of the same areas, or if people want to travel to see us more than once, we want to make it worthwhile. We we currently have some A B you know songs to rotate out for a show, a long song. We'll trade it with another long song. We got a song from this record. We'll trade it for another song from that same record. But at, at this point, we're trying to figure out some of the uh it's like i said earlier it's mostly just keyboard stuff what can we put on a sequencer that'll play in the back that we can have everything so it's, it's a lot of downtime with recording and learning the parts and playing with the click and making sure we can get it to sound as authentic as possible because we're doing it with three people we when, when neil passed we we had us and then there was a whole nother show at a, a bar where a bunch of local bands did a few rush songs each and they were all four or five people here and there and then there was a specific one that was announced for a venue and it was six people to play these songs and that one didn't end up going through because COVID hit and I, I'm of the opinion of if if you want to do this you should do it authentically don't have a dedicated singer because honestly with how complicated the lyrics are and how the melodies are written to be sung while playing Rush is not fun to just sing it's it's just it's another instrument to play on top of another one because otherwise you have a five minute section where they're just just jamming and the singer walks off to do nothing or if you have a dedicated <laughs> keyboard player who's standing there during the guitar parts so it, at least for myself being able to tackle all of that keeps it interesting and like joe's playing keyboards and larry's got the the glockenspiel and stuff to not just play normal drums so yeah winter's going to be uh double checking a lot of what some of the hookups are and, and uh, adding new material. Yeah, I think it definitely showcases the, you know, all you guys, the musicianship that you're able to pull that off like they do as a three piece, you know what I mean? As it was meant to be done, not an easy task, but I definitely, I, I that definitely shows you the musicianship for all you guys, definitely, you know, outstanding. Thank you. Thank you, appreciate it. Thank you. So um, how many songs are in your pool of songs to choose from? that you guys can uh, play live in concert. So what do we got? Uh, our show our show typically goes two hour and 15 minute sets with a, with a two song encore after that. So I guess that'd be around 26 songs, something uh, like that. Let me check. 27 we, songs total on the show. Uh, 30 songs with rotations and that's counting some songs that are more parts as separate tracks. So probably 29 songs. and. What we usually play is about 25, 26. 25, 26, But yeah. you're also thinking that a few of those are at least seven minutes long. So they, they fill it up quite well. So over over the next few months, we'll probably add another eight to 10 songs, I would imagine. You know, and then we'll just we'll just keep adding, you know. Yeah. And, and it's it's funny, though, because like you come people come out to the show and they're like, wow, you guys do a lot of B-sides. And it's like, well. If you did all their hits, you'd only have one set of music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. here's a question for you. That. 
Yeah, if you um, did that, rush. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was saying if you did that, you'd play it all at once and everyone would leave, or you play it second set and everyone would leave because they don't know what you're doing. So you have to spread it out. And that you have certain songs that you can't necessarily cut, but thankfully they're all realistically fun. You don't play yeah. anything that is a, a hit where you go, oh, this is boring. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I want to hear the me. deep cuts. I want to hear the deep cuts when I go to a show. And unfortunately, a lot of bands do play the hits to appeal to the mainstream audience. But for a, a fan like me that really dissects the band and knows the bands very well, um, I want to go see a show where I'm not going to hear the radio singles. And um, right. I, I don't I don't always get that. So I can appreciate you guys doing that. Well, our, yeah. our first three shows, we didn't play Tom Sawyer. I didn't have a keyboard hookup for it yet. We still haven't added the Spirit of Radio to the set. Subdivisions is new. So we didn't have all of it. And some of the deeper cuts were like something for nothing. You're coming for a show like that, and you're going to get the last song on 2112. And most people wear out side one. Don't get yeah. to the end of side two. <laughs> Yeah, we, we definitely got we got something for everybody. I mean, like like now, yeah, we're doing Tom Sawyer. We're you know, Spear of the Radio is coming. We're actually working on that now. And uh, I mean, there's stuff like Natural Science and Free Will that's in there, you know. And then you're gonna get Anthem. You're gonna get like you know, Joe said, Show Don't Tell, a couple tunes off of Grace Under Pressure. You know, we, we're trying to get a little something for everybody i mean one guy came up to us and went, man i couldn't believe it you guys played far cry holy shit nobody plays far cry that's awesome you know so it, even the modern stuff people are very receptive to because it's, oh, yeah. it's heavy you know yeah, so I, think, yeah, yeah. I think the rush fans are, are a little bit different than your ordinary average fans right because they right. they listen to a lot of the rush music not just the hits right so they're probably like a like jerry and i they're probably a bigger bigger fan and looking for those cuts Right. Well, they, so they used to good. they used to call us a cult following, a, a niche band, if you remember. Those were a couple of the terms that they used for Rush fans. So, um, yeah. what are the audiences like at these shows? Um, I know the uh, the real band Rush used to uh, draw a pretty male dominated crowd. Um, do you guys get a lot of women at your shows? Just yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a mixed crowd. I mean, it's predominantly middle-aged to older people, but, like, there's there's some younger people that will come out, you know. Uh, time will tell. Time will tell. But, yeah, definitely, there, there's a lot of women that are in a rush. Absolutely. Yeah, I really liked the venue you guys were at when you played uh, when you played the cave. I wasn't sure what to expect there. Really nice place inside. Had a really good – Good quality to it. Everybody, you know, really enjoyed it. Jerry, you'll have to, you have to come out here sometime and catch these guys for sure. Um, yeah, I want to uh, come out there in the spring. So, guys, uh, plan a date for the spring. I'm going to come up and see Robert and spend some time with him and check out the Buffalo music scene. And yeah, I would love to uh, to see yeah, you we'll guys. Yeah, we'll make sure we got something out of books. Sounds good. Yeah, awesome. So, so if folks want to know more about you or, or what's coming up, should they where should they check you out? Do you have a site or just on Facebook or? Yeah, we got the Facebook page, uh, Analog Kids, and then uh, we also have the we got a website too, right? I think so. Analog Kids. WNY. WNY. Yeah. 
yeah, we, we haven't really put too much on it because we're still getting it constructed and, and, and all that. And most of the people just tend to follow the Facebook links. Yeah, and I think you guys just put together a, um, a YouTube channel, right? And started putting some stuff up there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming. Great, great. So we'll look for more from there, definitely. So that's that's great, yeah. Yeah, let us know what your dates are coming up with. You know, great show. You know, keep, keep up what you're doing. We, we really like it. You know, I look forward to catching you guys again. Hopefully, you know, Jerry and I will both be able to be at an upcoming show, you know? Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah, the, from the videos you guys look incredible and um i would like to be there in the audience there's no better place to be chat request we'll see what we can do yeah yeah I bought, I, <laughs> yeah, anything's I, I, good with me some of the songs that you mentioned there are are all right in my books um cool um yeah more deep cuts than mainstream for this guy yeah <laughs> Nice. <laughs> uh, we, we, our upcoming shows probably that we'll be adding it to next year have most likely the deepest of cuts. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> great, and it great. was requested of all things too. Somebody shouted it at us to tell us to learn it, so we're gonna add it. Wow, that one guy yeah. would be happy. Yeah, that one guy would be happy. <laughs> I know you had that one super fan at your show, and he was like, he was waiting for a certain song to be played. I think, yeah. and you were like, "No, we'll, you can you can go you can go to the John real quick. We're we're gonna play that, or, or we played it. We'll play it in a couple minutes, or I forget what happened, but yeah, yeah, we we played a newer song, and uh, a, a, I think a friend of mine that came said he, he needed a bathroom break, and I announced the newer song. And I, oh, good! And I said, "You can go to the bathroom now, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> you got time." Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> the catalog yeah. of Rush is, is special from the beginning all the way till the end. And it's it's worth having every one of their albums. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, each one definitely very unique, you know, just amazing songwriting, amazing lyrics, you know, amazing musicians, you know, these guys, you know, Getty Lee, Neil Peart, you know, Alex Lifeson, just an amazing mesh of uh, professional guys. Just, uh, you probably won't see something like that ever again. No, probably know? not, yep. But we uh, just want to thank you guys so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's been great speaking with you. You know, we look forward to yeah. seeing upcoming shows for you. And if you folks out there want to know more about us or if you have feedback or comments, please email us at talkingaboutrock at gmail.com. Please like us and follow us on Facebook. And also you can check out all our interviews on our YouTube channel. Yeah, it's good to see you guys again. Very cool, Jerry. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Yeah, hey, you too. All right, take care.